So uh, we're going to take a break from um, from what we normally do on a Wednesday. So we just finished going through 1 Corinthians, which was um, a letter written by um, a guy called Paul to the Corinthian church. And last week we started looking at 2 Corinthians, um, which is his second letter um, to the church. But this week we're going to be going, uh, we're going to go back way before this, uh, way before Paul and the Corinthians. Letter. We're actually going to be going and we're going to be looking in Genesis, uh, which is in the Old Testament, and it's the first book in your Bible. So if you want to turn to Genesis, and it's chapter 39. Um, so it's right in the front of the book of the Bible. And uh, let me just grab my own. And yeah, it's chapter 39 we're going to be looking at. And yeah, so just to give you uh, just a little bit of uh, background before we start actually looking uh, at the passage today. So it's Genesis chapter 39, and we're going to be looking at, um, at Joseph. Um, but to try and give you a, a bit of backstory, um, uh, just, um, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of where we are actually uh, in the Bible. Um, but yeah, as, I'll just wait for you, a couple of you guys just to find it while I quickly grab something up on my iPad as well. Technology, eh? it's crazy. Right, yeah. Let's actually, yeah. Well, let's do. Let's pray. Um, yeah, let's just pray just before we start looking at the word. So, uh, Father, I just, I uh, just thank you for this opportunity to, yeah, just to, to look at your word, Lord. And I pray that you would just speak to us, Lord. Make it so clear, Lord, what it is that you have to say to each and every one of us tonight, Lord. I thank you for bringing us here, Lord. Yeah, and I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak through me, Lord. The words that I say, they would be of you, Lord. And that we would leave changed people, Lord, having met with you this day. So, yeah, Father, just bless this time, Lord, and guide us as we read your word. Amen. So, right, yeah, so just to give you a bit of background, uh, and before I start also, um, uh, check everything I say against Scripture. Everything, check everything that I say against, against the Bible. Let the Bible, the Bible be the final word. Um, yeah, so just to give you a bit of context, um, we're going to be looking at a guy called Joseph. We're just going to be looking at a little part of his life. Um, but to give you an idea of where that falls in relation to, in, time-wise, into where we are uh, and, when, and when Jesus came. So Joseph was way back in the Old Testament. So we have, in the account of Genesis, God creates the whole world. Uh, and it's perfect and it's beautiful and he creates man. Uh, but then sin enters the world. Uh, and that sin enters and breaks us, it breaks off that relationship which man had with God. Uh, so, but God has a plan. He has a plan to bring us back and he sets that plan in motion. And eventually that plan will lead up to, to Jesus who is our salvation. He is the one who brings us back to God. Uh, he's the one who dies for our sins. But to give you a context, so Joseph, before Joseph we have a couple of guys. We have a guy called Abraham and God comes to Abraham, appears to him, and gives him this promise of this great inheritance. Uh, And then after Abraham comes Isaac, and then after Isaac comes a guy called Jacob, who is later then called Israel, and that's where we get the nation of Israel from. Uh, And so we're going to be looking at Jacob's son, Joseph. Uh, And so Jacob has uh, a number of different sons, uh, and Joseph, uh, when Joseph is born, and if you get a chance, have a read through some of the, the, the chapters before. because It's really interesting um, just seeing how God is at work and seeing how he uses just, uh, just broken people um, to, do, to, um, to bring about just such great, amazing things. But um, basically, Joseph gets sold into slavery uh, by his own brothers. Uh, and that's sort of where we're going to be leading up from now. The reasons they sold him into slavery was mainly because they were jealous. Uh, Joseph was uh, Jacob's favourite son. Um, and uh, Jacob even gives him uh, like a special coat um, because, he, because he is his favourite son. And then, yeah, the jealous gets brothers and they make this plot and they, they, they sell him into slavery. And that's where we pick it up from. So if you've uh, got your Bibles with you and we're in chapter 39. And yeah, so chapter 39 and verse 1. And let me just get this light on. And this is what it says. Now Joseph 
had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favour in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master doesn't know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do this work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie to, into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside so she kept his garment with her until his master came home then she spoke to him with words like these saying the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him saying, your servant did to me after this manner that that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So yeah, that is the uh, account of Joseph. So we're literally just taking a snapshot of Joseph's life. Uh, If you continue to read on, um, Joseph actually eventually is uh, taken out of prison. uh, And he actually uh, ends up through a number of series of remarkable circumstances through God. He basically ends up uh, in one of the highest places of authority in, in Egypt. Basically, the, the pharaoh at the time, he has a dream which he can't interpret. So he calls on Joseph, um, who previously interpreted dreams for some other prisoners. He calls him in. Joseph, through God, tells Pharaoh what, um, what these dreams are going to be. Um, that there's going to be a time of famine, uh, and then, sorry, it's going to be a time of plenty, and there's going to be a time of famine. So Joseph gets put in charge. He's literally in this high place in Egypt and he is the guy who basically organises storing all the food during that time of plenty so that when that time of need comes, uh, that they'll have plenty of food. And this is 
how he eventually gets reunited with his brothers. So unfortunately, this isn't what we're going to be focusing on, but I would advise, um, yeah, read on to the next couple of chapters, because eventually Joseph is actually reunited with the very brothers who sold him into slavery. Um, Our God is a God of reconciliation. Uh, He can really reconcile broken relationships. And that is one broken relationship. I don't know about you, but, I mean, your own siblings selling you into slavery. Uh, I've got two brothers. I've got one older, one younger. And although I do get on their nerves a bit, I don't think they would ever, well, I hope they wouldn't dream of selling me into slavery, but you never know. Um, But, yeah, we're going to be focusing uh, just on this chapter today. And I just there are two things I want to bear in mind. Um, when PT was sort of uh, asking me to share, he basically just said, just said, just say, share something which has been on my heart recently. Uh, and so as I've been uh, reading through Genesis on my own, it's sort of, uh, yeah, this, this part kind of stuck out. And I thought, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a, a bit more of an in-depth look at this. And, uh, and yeah, just to share it with you. And there's two things I want you to uh, just to, to think about. If anything, if you go away with anything, these two things... Um, that God was with Joseph through both the, the difficult times and, in the end, the times of great blessing. God was with him. Uh, and So that's the one thing. And the other thing we're going to look at is looking at how Joseph uh, gained victory over temptation. Um, a huge temptation gets put in front of this man. Uh, and we're going to look at some of the things that that he does to escape temptation. Because um, for those of us as Christians, um, although we're saved by Christ, he's forgiven us from sins, there is still that daily battle with, with temptation. Uh, and hopefully we can leave today with something practical, something which can turn us away from temptation, not just for the sake of just for being good, but for the sake of actually knowing Jesus more. Um, our faith is about a relationship with Jesus. Uh, and sin always gets in the way of that relationship. But yeah, let's, let's look at this young man. So, uh, verse 1, and my Bible is closed, so I'll open it up again. So here we have Joseph, a young man who is far from home. As we can see in verse 1, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. He had been taken away from his home sold into slavery. He was placed into a foreign land, a land far away from home. And even today I was thinking about how, just thinking about being placed in a land where, where all the people around him worship different gods as well. Knowing that Joseph grew up serving the true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, uh, and then to be placed in a place where his family aren't there, um, and he's surrounded by people who, yeah, who worship other gods. And, and even as Christians today, we're going to be placed in situations where we're in an environment where people worship other gods. Uh, even if that's atheism, um, everybody worships something. And even in my own workplace, I find myself at times placed in a surrounding where you may be the only Christian. Um, But the encouraging thing I found about Joseph was that throughout this whole account, he never forgets God. There's even a point, uh, he has, uh, as we see later on, his first child, he names uh, Manasseh. And this is the reason why he named his first child Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So later on, once he's released from prison, he has a son called Manasseh. And he even names him. And the name Manasseh literally, literally means making forgetful. That he was in such pain that he even sought to forget that past, to forget the fact that his brother sold him into slavery. But there was one thing that he didn't forget, and that was who his God was. So as we're called to go out into different places... If we're alone and isolated, this is, my, this is our challenge to me as well, that we don't forget who our God is. And then, yeah, so let's, let's continue on. So not only did he not forget who his God was, but God was with him. In verse 2 it says, The Lord was with Joseph. 
We may be going through a difficult time. We may be going through hardship. But notice that hardship is not a sign of God's absence. That God continues uh, to remain with us through the difficult times. And so often we can look at our own circumstances and we can think that we've been abandoned. But the truth is, as we look through scripture, God promises those who put his faith in him that he will never leave them. He will never forsake them. And I just love this, how, I mean, you look from the outside, a guy sold into a slave, he's eventually falsely imprisoned for, for something he didn't do. And through it all, God was with him. And not only that, God had a purpose through it all. So not only is God with Joseph, but he has a purpose. Uh, and it's, it's just beautiful as you read in the next few chapters how God uh, just reveals this purpose bit by bit. And if you could quickly turn with me actually to the end of Joseph, uh, not Joseph, Genesis, which is Genesis chapter 50. Let me quickly find it. Um, and it's this beautiful, beautiful verse which, where Joseph actually sees, he actually acknowledges how God's used it. God's used him to save his own family. As we, as we find out a bit later on, when, when they are through that time of famine, his son, his brothers, go to Egypt because in their land they don't have any food. So they come to Egypt looking for food. And that's where his brothers meet Joseph again. And as you read it, at first they don't actually realise it's him, but Joseph actually realises it's, it's them. But anyway, we get to the end of all of that as well. And I love this. There's this part right at the end of this book, um, before, we, before it goes into the book um, of Exodus. And this point where his brothers uh, come back to him, and this is what he says to them. I absolutely love this. Do not be afraid. This is uh, chapter 50, verse 19. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God had a purpose for Joseph's suffering. And that's the same for us. God has a purpose for our suffering. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a bit later on. But anyway, as we continue on, so here we go. We've got Joseph. The Lord is with him. He's uh, placed into this Egyptian house. And then, not only is the Lord with him, but people notice that the Lord's with him. This really challenged me. In, in verse 3 it says, and his master, so this is referring Joseph's master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Joseph lived in such a way that others noticed that God was at work in his life. How challenging is that? Am I living in such a way that people notice there's something different? Am I living in such a way that people notice and could even say that God was with me? And then I love that how not only does Potiphar see that God is, is with him, but then also in, he entrusts to him, um, he gives him authority. He says, uh, it seems like within the short time that Joseph is there, um, Potiphar takes note of him, that, look, that, that God is with him, and then entrusts to him uh, authority over his own house. He trusts him. He gives him responsibility uh, and that's a challenge to us as well. Are we, are we trustworthy people? That even, you know, those who, who don't know us that well, could they trust us? And then, just as things uh, seem to be going well for Joseph, temptation comes along. And that often seems to be the case. We can often see in our lives that when things are actually going well, when things are going quite successful, uh, sometimes that's often when <laughs> lurking around the corner comes temptation. Um, but I want you to, to bear in mind this, this thing, and I was actually talking to David uh, a bit about it last week, um, that temptation is an opportunity for defeat, but it's also an opportunity for victory. 
sometimes when temptation comes along, we often see that as defeat. Um, whereas actually, it can be a beautiful opportunity for victory, as we see with, uh, with Joseph here. So yeah, we continue to read with me. So here we find in verse 6 at the end of it, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. So yeah, here we find Joseph, he's a good looking lad. We read in uh, the last couple of chapters, he's actually, the uh, first time we sort of hear, read about him, the last couple of chapters, he was 17. So he's around about sort of 17, 18, 19. He's around about sort of the late teens going into his early 20s. Um, so, I mean, anybody 19 here? Late teens here? No? no? Put your hand down, David. What are you doing? Anybody? No, no. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah, is it? Jazz? Yeah, the front? Kind of? Yeah? Sweet. Anybody remember being in their early, their late teens? Yeah? Yeah, see, Bruno, yeah. It wasn't that long ago, man. It was just, you know, a couple of years ago. But it's just... Uh, <laughs> You know, just think back to what you were like at the age of 19 or 18. Um, and just to see the integrity of this man at that age. Um, that when such great temptation comes along, he manages to say no. But yeah, let's continue to read on. So as we read... His master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. So here we go. We have Potiphar's wife. She comes to Joseph and says, lie with me. So here is the initial temptation. And how does Joseph respond? In verse 8, but he refused. Joseph when temptation comes along, this is how Joseph responds. Joseph, first of all, he refuses. Straight away, when temptation comes, he says no. And that's his stance from the, from the very beginning, from the get-go. He says no, he refuses. And then this is what he goes on to say. He refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand, there is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So first of all, Joseph says no. He refuses straight away. Temptation comes, he says no. The second thing he does, he preaches truth. He exposes the true depth of sin. We can often be in a very dangerous place where we can often try and belittle our own sin for various reasons, whether it's to try and make ourselves feel better about ourselves or so we don't feel so bad. But he exposes his sin for what it truly is. That's how we fight temptation. Not to just belittle our sin. Not to just uh, say it's not important. It doesn't make a difference. Not only does he, does he show the, the implications for, for what it would have for, for, the, for the husband, but he also exposes what our, our sin truly is. That our sin is first and foremost, it's a sin against God. It's against God who we've, who we've sinned first and foremost against. It's him we've offended. And not only does he expose the true nature of his sin, but he also remembers what he already has. Like sometimes when we get tempted, it's, uh, we often we get so fixated on the things we don't have that we forget what we do have. Uh, and I love how Joseph reminds himself. He's like, no, 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 actually, Potiphar has blessed me. Actually, he's given me authority. Actually, he's given me all of this. This is actually a gift. And he's just saying no to this. And, and that's right for him to say no because against God that is sinful. And against him that is sinful. And in our own lives, sometimes we focus so much on what we don't have that we forget that actually God is sufficient. That God has given us enough already. That he is our portion. And that's the reason why we can say no to temptation. It's because 
He is good enough. Because he is our source. He is our joy. And then he continues. So he says this. He, he, she, so temptation comes. She says, lie with me. Uh, and he says, no. He refuses. He preaches truth, exposes sin. And the next thing he does, he avoids it. Read with me in verse 10. So it was... As she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. So so the initial temptation comes, he says no, and then day by day he continues not to heed her, which literally means not to listen. Every time she would come again, lie with me, Joseph, lie with me, Joseph, lie with me, Joseph. Temptation comes again, again and again and again and again. He says no, he doesn't even listen to her. He doesn't give her an audience, he doesn't give her a chance. But temptation keeps coming again and she's persistent. In verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. He was alone. So often temptation can come when we're isolated. And that's why we're so often called to to have fellowship. That's why we're called to, you know, we're not, we don't have to go to church. Going to church isn't what what saves us, it's not what makes us right with Christ, but God calls us to fellowship so that we can encourage each other, so that we're not always isolated. But there will come times when we are isolated. And when that happens, when he's on his own, and literally, this is what it says, so but about this time when Joseph went to the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. The last thing that Joseph did, he got out of there. He ran. He fled. Let's do a little demonstration. Jay and David. Well, actually, no, maybe not David. You've got a broken leg. Yeah, no, we'll do David. Go on, David. Right, Jay. Do you want to stand here, Jay? Do you want to face that way? Right, David, go easy on Jay, right? Okay. Don't hurt him, right? Okay. Jay, you've got to run. You've got to flee. Yeah, you just got to get out. You just got to get to the other end of there. Go. Yeah, there we go. Woo! All right, come back. You can sit down now. Thank you. Day two, yeah. See, that was messy, wasn't it? It wasn't, it wasn't polite, it wasn't uh, very dignified, it was, you were just getting out, Jay, weren't you? You were going for it. Anyway, and I love how Joseph just, he doesn't care how he looks, he doesn't care that he's left his, his garment behind him, he literally just gets out as quick as possible, even though it looks messy. And if people could see, I'd imagine it looked quite ridiculous. Um, when temptation comes, sometimes we just got to flee. We've just got to run, and no matter how messy it looks, we've just got to get out of there. So many times I, I look back to other times when I've, when I've fallen into sin, um, and I look back and I'm like, yeah, I should have ran. <laughs> so, you know, what, if, what would happen if we got, actually got into the habit of fleeing? That we didn't care if how we looked, but it was a case of we just got out of there. You, you know there are certain times you're put into certain situations where that has to be, you know, you, you may look silly to the crowd around you, like, why is that guy running off? <laughs> but maybe we should do that because actually, maybe then we would like Joseph, we would be victorious. And uh, this, uh, this fleeing which Joseph does, this, this way out of temptation, it, it reminds me um, of another passage which we covered uh, a few weeks ago, actually, in First Corinthians. Um, so feel free to turn with me. But only, it's only a couple of verses. Um, so feel free to turn with me or you can just listen. 
Um, but it's concerning temptation. Uh, and yeah, I would really advise just reading through it and, and meditating on these, on these verses, um, which I'm about to read, um, just because I found them really helpful recently. Um, um, yeah, and it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, um, verse 12 to 14. Um, so 1 Corinthians is, is this letter which... Um, so this is way, 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 way into um, way past the time of Joseph, um, after Jesus has uh, come to earth, after he's, been, after he's been born, after he's lived a sinless life, a life about sin, after he died on a cross for our sins, so taking our punishment, uh, and then after he rose again and offering us new life, uh, and then ascends into heaven. So this is after, after all of that, and a guy called Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church. I absolutely love this bit. And it's uh, chapter 10, verse 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And yeah, my advice is to you, I think we're due to time, we're only going to have time to just maybe touch on this, but I'd say, yeah, if you get a chance, really meditate on these verses. Because um, they're, they're just awesome. So, uh, chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore... Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fail. So what Paul's saying is saying, take note of this so you don't fall. Take note of this lest you fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Sometimes our way of escape is just to get out of there, flee, run like Joseph. And yeah, I'd, I'd encourage you just to meditate on those, on those verses. There's four points which Paul makes. I'll just quickly, briefly talk about them. So he says... First of all, your temptation is not uncommon. Meditate on this fact that our temptations are not uncommon. We're not alone. We're not the only people who go through those temptations. And how many times have we been talking with people? I remember a couple of months ago, I was walking with a couple of guys from here, and they started talking. I'm like, wow, the stuff they're struggling with is the stuff I'm struggling with. <laughs> but they just had the courage to actually say it. So, yeah, our temptation is not uncommon. God is faithful. So when temptation comes along, meditate on the fact that our temptation is not uncommon and that God is faithful. And we'll continue that thread a bit later on as well. God is faithful. Another thing Paul mentions in that verse as well is he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. I mean, the verse literally says, says this. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Isn't that crazy? For those who put their faith in Christ, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. That means when temptation comes, we have the ability to overcome it. We have the chance for victory. You know that feeling when you get, when you're in that place where you feel like you can't say no, where you feel literally like you're enslaved to it, that you have to follow it. Meditate on this truth when you feel like you're not even able to overcome that temptation, that it's too strong for you to overcome. Meditate on the truth that through Christ you are able, that he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And then the last one is this, he will make a way out. And for Joseph that was fleeing. Get out of there. Run. So as we see Joseph overcomes temptation, and I love it as well, it's just the nature of, of, of Joseph's heart, his integrity, when he was alone, when he, couldn't get, when he could have got away with it as well. Nobody was there, and yet he said no. I love that. I absolutely love that. As uh, it was once said, when you're all alone, when no one is watching, when there's no one around to impress, that is who you are. 
It's also been said, it's been said that the measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. And I love it, how Joseph's in, his character is put, on, put to the test. It's put on display. And I love just how he comes through. But we see the results of that. Something I just want to quickly touch on as well. Is we see the results that he does the right thing. He says no to temptation. Uh, and yet, he gets falsely imprisoned. He gets chucked in prison. He does the right thing. Uh, and his circumstances end up getting worse. And that's just like, I want to encourage you guys in as well, that sometimes saying no to temptation, the immediate effects, the immediate circumstances, like David, and not David, like Joseph, sorry. Say, for example, yeah, say sometimes saying no to temptations Immediately, the effects, we actually get hurt. Maybe we say no to someone. And, uh, and in, in, in First Peter, which we've been looking at in our Thursday study, we've been looking at you know, how people are, uh, are persecuted for, for following Christ. And sometimes when we say no to sin and we choose Christ, we choose, to, we choose to do the thing which Jesus calls us to do, sometimes we're going to face opposition. Sometimes we're going to face immediate hardship as a result of that choice. And if that's what you're going through at the moment, read First Peter because it's um, a really encouraging book for those who are going through, through trials and suffering, especially um, as a result of your faith. But know this, that God has a purpose and a plan for it all. And that God's, in this instance, God's plan was ultimately to save, uh, save Joseph's brothers. Who would have thought that? <laughs> You know, when he got sold into slavery, I'm pretty sure he didn't think that he would actually be used to save his own brothers. And that we actually find that when uh, his brothers and, and his father eventually come to Egypt, they actually all eventually settle in Egypt, uh, and that's where um, Israel as a nation, uh, I suppose in, in some ways, become, begins to become a nation. Um, and then that's where we find, if you do read on, at the beginning of Exodus, they have 400, I think it's 400 years of, um, when they actually become enslaved by the actual Egyptians. And then from that, God sends Moses, brings Israel out of Egypt, which is what we've been looking at on a Sunday, um, and, and Israel as a nation as they're brought outside of Egypt. And eventually, through the line of Israel, uh, eventually God's plan for redemption was Jesus. Um, so... Yeah, it's beautiful to see this line of redemption working through even the hardship that Joseph had to, had to endure. But there's also uh, another thing that we... Um, yeah, another thing I want us to think about uh, as well before as we sort of bring this to a close. Um, I mean, what I also love before we go on is, is just how God is with Joseph at the beginning in the house but then the writer of this book also reminds us that God's with him in the prison as well. Uh, and it's amazing to see how even in those painful circumstances, God is still there. God is still faithful. But if we look at victory over temptation, we also have to look at what happens, um, how do we address defeat when we face temptation? Um, here we see Joseph and a great example, really practical tools for how to, how to yeah, have victory over temptation. But I want to briefly just, uh, just talk about the times when we actually find ourselves defeated by temptation, when we give in to temptation, because um, it's all happened to us at some stage or, or else. And this is the beautiful thing about the God that we worship. That even when we fall, he is faithful. God is faithful. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I love this next bit. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. As Christians, when we fall, let us be quick 
to turn our eyes to Christ because he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to make us clean, to make us new. And then along those same lines, I think sometimes we often see this story from the point of view of Joseph, um, but we miss the great tragedy of Potiphar's wife, how she is literally enslaved to her sin, how Joseph is is in the house for a while. Um, If we look at, go back to... In Genesis 39, uh, this, this, this really little phrase, it really impressed on me uh, as I was re- going over it a bit today. So basically, we have the, the first few verses where everything's established. So Joseph is sold into slavery, he's sold into that house, uh, but he's living in such a way that Potiphar notices him and gives him, gives him authority. Um, so he's been there long enough, he's risen up to a, a place of authority, and then... Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now it came to pass after these things, after Joseph had been risen to the place of authority, Potiphar's wife notices him. And listen to this. Uh, cast, so that his there we go. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And then we see that even when he says no, she continues. She's persistent. She's literally as if she's enslaved to that desire, enslaved to that own sin. And I think we've, we've all been there. I know I've been there as well. Been in that place where you are literally enslaved to sin. Um, and it talks about uh, in the Bible before, you know, before... Before I, I gave my life to Christ, I was enslaved to sin. But there is hope even for this lady. Even though she's enslaved to sin, she's persistent, she's, she knows it's wrong. Joseph said no. Joseph even explained why it's wrong and yet she is persistent. She's persistent, she's persistent. But know this, that even for that great sin, there is forgiveness. There is hope. And that Jesus came to set us free from that sin. He came to set us free from the power of sin. He came to set us free from from the presence of sin. And this is the great gospel, that we... Although we're enslaved to sin, although we're sinful people, that God died to save us from our sin. And that even for this lady, there is no sin which Christ cannot forgive. And I love that. Can you turn with me to, um, I'm just going to start to bring this to a close. Could you turn with me to Psalm uh, 51? And we read about a guy called David. Um, and it's a really beautiful psalm. A guy who, um, who really falls and sins in a big way. So Psalm uh, 51. It would help if I turned there as well. And it's a prayer of repentance. And this is the great gospel that we, that we know is that if we turn from our sin and we repent and we turn to Jesus, he is faithful to save us. And I love this prayer. And this is a prayer that we can use for ourselves um, during the times when we fall. Because Christ is waiting for us with open arms. So read with me, please. Psalm 51 and verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, 
according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer balls on your altar. A beautiful prayer which we can use for the times when we fall. So yeah, so as we come to uh, a close, yeah, a couple of things I want to remind us is just that God is with us. If we, if we have put our faith and trust in, in Jesus, he will not leave us. He will be with us. And this is the gospel. We, we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of God. And one day we will face judgment for that. But God, in his mercy, has provided a way out. That punishment which we deserve for our sin, that punishment was laid on Christ when he went to a cross. He bore the punishment that we should have borne. And not only that, he defeated death and rose again, according to Scripture. So not only did he take the punishment of our sin, but then he rises again to offer us new life. And all he says is, come, repent of your sin and put your faith in me. So, for those of us who are at that point where we're struggling with temptation, remember that it is an opportunity for victory. Remember, say no. Constantly preach truth to yourself. Avoid it, and if need be, run. (laughs) Flee. Get out of there. And for those of us who have fallen into temptation... Know that God is waiting with open arms for you to come home. I love the, uh, the parable of the, of the prodigal son, which is in, I think it's Luke chapter 14 or 15. Go and check. Go and double check. And it's this beautiful parable of how this son takes his father's inheritance, turns his back on him, and he goes and squanders it all. And then when he literally reaches rock bottom... He realises his sin, he repents of it, he comes back home and he says, 
Oh, that's who love is. The Bible says that even when he's far away off, his father runs towards him with open arms and embraces him. And God is waiting to embrace you, whether that be for the first time ever, um, or if it be a case of you put your trust in him and it's just a case of it's been a while since we've spoken to him. So yeah, let us pray uh, as we close. Father, I thank you uh, for your word, Lord. I thank you just for raising up this man of integrity, Joseph, just to, just to be just a, just a beacon of hope to us, Lord. Uh, it's been amazing just to read how you had a purpose for the difficulties he endured, Lord, just as you have a purpose for us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for our sin. That sin which we are guilty of, Lord, you offer us, <laughs> you offer us freedom from that sin, Lord. I thank you for that you died for that sin so that we could be with you. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you shall be saved. And I remember even myself, Lord, when I became a Christian, which was about 14 years ago, literally in in the month of August as well, and I remember somebody standing up and giving me the opportunity to follow Christ. So for those of you today who don't know Christ, I would love to give you that opportunity as well. As As the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So listen to this prayer. Now at the end of it, if you agree, I say, say Amen. And what saves you isn't a specific word, it's not saying a specific uh, lines which save you, it's having that heart which then, that broken heart, that repentant heart, that heart that believes in Christ, and then from that heart comes that confession. So as I read, as I say this prayer, listen to the words, And then if you agree, say amen, and then that's you confessing that, confessing what God's doing in your heart. So this, Lord, I am am a sinner, Lord. I have first and foremost sinned against you. Father, forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin on the cross according to Scripture, that he rose again, conquering death, conquering sin and he invites me to follow him, he invites me to new life. So Lord I repent of my sin, I turn away from my sin and I put my trust and my faith in you. Lord Jesus, this day I want to follow you. Come Lord, be the Lord of my life. In Jesus name, Amen. So Father, I thank you uh, for this day, Lord, I thank you, uh, yeah, Lord, just for being able to spend time with your word, Lord, and that as we go away, Lord, may we be a blessing to each other, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.